0: Welcome to the fourth edition of the HFC Hub podcast. I'm your host, Bendit Ferabee, joined once again by Tom Griffin. Tom, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm great, mate. Even better after the weekend's uh, game and being crowned champions. You know, what a fitting into the season.
0: It's oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's a fitting way to end what's been a difficult season for not being able to go to the games, obviously. It's a bit of a weird weekend to win the title in obviously we had the social media blackout obviously the HCFC hub Twitter, you'd have seen that we were part of that for three days, hopefully the message um, continues and I just want to say thank you for 500 site views, obviously the site's not been up that long but to get 500 views and just in such a short space of time is a brilliant thing to see, and hopefully it goes from strength to strength in the coming weeks
1: yeah, it's it's a great milestone to reach. You know, you know, within you know a couple of weeks of the site being released, and obviously that's a credit to you, Ben. You've been churning out the content, and I've just been obviously cursing the podcast. But just before we get into the wigging game, do you think the social media blackout has been a success so far, and do you think do you see it um, having an
0: impact in the future? I think it. Um, I think it will have to have an impact in the future because I don't think that if I don't think it would have been something that's just or, oh yeah, we'll do it for this weekend. I think it's gotta there've got to be lessons that have got to be learnt from obviously what's what what it what it's set out to achieve and I think it will do. Obviously um, we've had the stuff with taking the knee, what have you obviously that's not relative that's not um related as much to this as this is all forms of discrimination, but I think it'll eventually hopefully people start to um educate themselves into the the world of social media i think this this will be something that people need educating on for a long time because it's just every time you go on twitter not even just on city's account on it on millions of accounts you just got all these idiots that just think they can get away with abusing players and what have you but obviously it's a Bit of a, it's a positive podcast this week with City winning leagues so we've not been dwelling it for too long so yeah what getting... I want to say
1: is I see it as um, obviously like a warning it's warning shot to those people that think it's acceptable to abuse others online and obviously there's different levels to it you know people can handle abuse of all forms but it, you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to yeah you shouldn't have second, to handle it if you're in like a professional sort of scene or if you're a player you know even just someone that uses the app you shouldn't have to face abuse and, and you are going to get an idiot that are going to go against the rules and are going to abuse someone, but obviously there has to be sort of um, precautions in place and there has to be punishments and I think the social media blackout has gone some way to um, sort of firing a warning sign to those that think it's acceptable, but yeah, but like you say, this is a positive podcast, we've just been crowned champions, so let's get on to sort of review of the Wigan game.
0: Yeah, Um bit of a chaotic opening to the game. I thought um, both teams, you could see that this lads something to play for. Obviously, Wigan weren't mathematically safe going into the game. Obviously, you heard in the week that um, Grant McCann was still saying that he expects the players to see the job through. And I thought, to be fair, considering the way that Wigan have played recently, you sort of knew they were going to play the way they did. And I think, they're one of the few teams that have come to the KC this season actually give us a real good go in, the, in their in their play in the first half. In, instead of sitting back like most teams, are actually willing to play us at our own game a little bit. And to be fair, they did to a certain extent.
1: You know what, with Wigan, they actually play entertaining football. They like to knock it about and they look to get behind you. And what, what our teams do do against us is they knock it more to feet with a target man there but with Wigan they, they actually tested us quite, on a, quite a few occasions with balls and beyond. you saw Will Keane sort of springing, springing through and you know the, the rest of their forward line and they did look dangerous on the counter attack and there's, obviously it's no surprise that Wigan recently have you've, you've seen an in form and got themselves out of danger and I was quite impressed with you know Will Keane coming back to his old club the way he performed and uh, we'll go on to their goal later but uh, shall we talk about the opening goal? Obviously,
0: yeah, obviously we had a couple of chances before it. I think there was the one where Calamoda played a really inviting ball towards Josh McGuinness. It did it, it was questioned whether it should have been a corner or not, but I think obviously the goal soon came afterwards. It was a great bit of play down the right from Wilkes and Coyle, and that's been sort of... It's been there to see in recent weeks that that's a... Main Avenue to quite a few of our goals and then it's a great um bit of movement from Keen Lewis Potter to get his head in between the just ahead of the defender and I think the keeper could have done slightly better, but it's a great header. Obviously it's not it's not it's not a goal that we're kinda of used to seeing KLP score this season really. But it's a great
1: when when he first came into the team there, that's that's what we saw. Like we saw him as that sort of like he was five foot seven but he was leaping of Above, you know, six foot plus defenders. He sort, he yeah, sort of, of,
0: remi- of he sort of, sort of, reminds city fans probably like a bit of, bit of Nick Barn, being the sense where he's not, he's not the tallest, but he always fight for the ball in the air. He'll somehow find a way of leaping above the centre back, or just yeah, getting exactly in between. Them.
1: Obviously, in a box is a menace, and i spoke about last week about how we've actually got players more into the box more frequently. or forwards, they're getting in the box, and that's how you score goals normally. And what I want to talk about is the. Sort of, I think our wingers now trust our fullbacks more. Do you know, early on in the season, Malik Wolf would usually cut in and shoot, I think. But now yeah. he, he sees that overlapping run. He plays coil in knowing that, you know, that quality is going to come from it, and it does. And obviously, Cole puts a brilliant ball in, a teasing ball, and Kieler's spot gets on the end. And, and when, when the goals are flowing,
0: they certainly, flow, they certainly do flow, don't they? But so. then, obviously, about a minute later, it's a bit of a question mark over our swift reply. Uh, <laughs> Question marks over our defending, which I do think, obviously, if going into the next season, we're not going to get away with that in the Championship. So, obviously, I think whilst we've we've won the game, whatever, because I think Grant McCann that'll be the one negative. It's the way that they scored their goal. It's a bit bit un, bit unorganised on our part. Just, just a bit simple. It's a it's a decent bit of play from Wigan, but could have dealt with it a lot better than what we did. Obviously, they still could have scored, but. Defense just switched off for a moment there, really. But I think it's that should.
1: To be fair, Will Keane's quicker than a lot of people give him credit for. If I'm being honest, like the got down there.
0: It was, a, it was a quick, quick moving. But to be fair, there was no one really there. I think it. Yeah. I think it might have been Smallwood that um tried to stop him on the wing. Obviously, Smallwood's not the quickest. I think maybe if Slater had just started the game, he could have got on, got in the face of Will Keane. But obviously, it's a decent ball in. Maybe question marks over the. Positioning the centre backs. Obviously, it's a bit of a well-taken goal. He we can't really miss it. But
1: yeah, it was it was it was good. But like I, we touched on, you know, Wigan the play they play nice football, intricate football, and you know, triangles, and they got the cut us, cut through us there. And you know that that could have been a sign of things to come in the game. But luckily, with I don't think we gave him that many chances afterwards. You know, after that goal, so that was no. that's obviously credit to us. We sort of um cut you know cut them out and we saw the game through, professional performance
0: again from City. I think the second City goal is probably one of my favourite goals of the season, not agree, not, yeah. of, not not the top one but it's just a great bit of play, obviously Honeyman's played the great ball through to Wilkes and just the awareness he, often with Wilkes, obviously I think just the manner of a few of his goals, would have expected him to, um, to cut in and have the shot himself and maybe it'd have gone in but it's a great bit of awareness to see that Honeyman's making the Long busting run behind him. It's a well taken goal. Obviously, I think that was. Also, I think again, that was must have been one or two minutes after they equalised. So it was a, it was a bit of a crazy five minute period.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's more. There's more space in League One, or um, that. But uh, this season, our midfielder seems to be driving. You know, the ball forward more. I think in the Championship, that was more static. I think players were a bit more reluctant to just sit on the ball and just play it through and instead of, you know, driving themselves. And I think, in Honeyman, Doherty, you know, these sort of players, you've got the sort of engine in there that can drive us forward. And you need that sort of player to, if you're in that system, four three three, you need that one player from midfield that drives you forward and plays that ball. And obviously, Honeyman, he didn't just sit and admire his pass, he made the run. And that's how he gets on the end of it. And credit to Malik Wolves, again, like, I think he's maturing more each week and early on in the season, he might have just cut that in himself and shoot instead he, he sees Honeyman Good on the outside, he uses him and he gets his rewards.
0: I think We're now finished. I think now Malik Wilkes is one assist away from getting into double figures for both goals and assists this season, which is just credit to our, his contribution to the team. I think there's only one player in the league that has got double figures in both. I think it's Siriki Dembele from Peterborough. I might I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, but I think you might be right there, but um, I th- oh, I think Grant from Lincoln. Maybe. No, no, he's, uh, an,
0: he's he's in single figures for goals. No, anyway. But,
1: um, but what I want to say is that that goal was shades of Corey Evans against Leeds United. Do you, do
0: you know what? Um, I hadn't thought of that. Um, no, but just if it did. Yeah, you know, the
1: sort of build up, and then obviously it was different. Marley played out the pass, but it was sort of the you know the touch in front of him in the
0: so, to, to be fair, we've seen a lot of goals like that this season. It's been more um, Doherty, the player that's um, got into them sort of positions. We haven't really seen Honeyburn um, get. We've seen him get into the box, we haven't really seen him get into a shooting position inside the box that many times. It's it's mainly been Doherty. Obviously, he scored a similar. Sort of goal at Plymouth, but full credit to Honeyman for taking the um, responsibility on, and it's a well taken goal.
1: Yeah, I love goals like that, just the the build up play, the the quick sort of interchanges, and then you know, I I prefer them sort of goals to long range screamers to be fair, you know, when the quick passing Mm. team goals instead of you know, long range efforts. But yeah, Honeyman, he just has everything to his game, doesn't he, at this level. And um, I think in the championship he did he did a uh, sure shades of what, it was, but I think this time round it's it's sort of a redemption for a lot of players to want to go into go into the championship with a point to prove, and given how we've performed this season, you're willing to give these players a chance, and including <clears> someone <throat> like Matt Ingram, you know, in the championship, he uh, didn't really get much of a look in last time, and perhaps George Long is unfortunate to miss you know miss out, but
0: yeah. I think obviously that goal capped off a great week for Honeyman who's obviously obviously we're going to be biased and say that um, he should have won the um, player of the season but obviously you know they they tend to give it to the goal scorers we're obviously not denying that Clark Harris has had a wonderful season for Peterborough but would have been nice for Honeyman to um, win the overall player of the season I definitely do think he's going to win our player of the season anyway
1: Yeah he 100% will Um, just in terms of what is point? Leadership, you know, drives the team forward. In the final third, he's, he's measured with you know, in possession. Um, and, you know, you've questioned him sometimes. He does have like a rash moment to his game, but I think he's cut had them cut them to a premium this season. And he's, he's really shown um, putting some captive performances. And when we've needed them most to get him behind the opposition, um, or, you know, player threaded through a ball, he's often not been there. Um, I remember the start of the season when he scored against Northampton. Great little goal, and he, he kicked on from there. I thought, mm. when it,
0: yeah. But I've no doubt he'll get play over the season. Mm. Obviously, the game wasn't short of a few controversial moments. The one six in the mind is obviously the um, foul. Well, it's not really a foul, but it it was in in my eyes, even though we got away with it. Was the, um, the one with Jacob Greaves on Callum Lang and? Oh
1: yeah, I it's... definitely, I
0: definitely thought that was a penalty. I'm not going to lie. Yeah,
1: I, I saw that at the start, and we just got away with that. Um, he came in from behind, didn't he? And I think he didn't take any of the ball. Took the man, and I don't know how the referee's not seen that, but we did get away with that. I think,
0: and... I think it's about time though, that we had a referee getting in our size this season with some of the refereeing performance at the K refereeing performances at the KC this season.
1: Yeah, I think we have touched on refereeing performances
0: and they have been below
1: standard, and um, whether that's just how it is usually at League One, but certainly when we came into the division, I think we did get warned about the refereeing uh, standard, and uh, they have been disappointed in that regard. But you'd rather them, you'd rather them, you know, be actually much better than they've been. But you know, we're out of this division now, and hopefully we could look forward to some better refereeing performances in the championship
0: you say that, but as if the championship referees are any better than ones in yeah, League it's... One. I don't think there's that much of a difference.
1: Yeah I'm not gonna be blinded by one season out of the championship I think. We're still <laughs> gonna I think it we're football fans so we're still gonna complain mm. if decision decision goes against us, but you know what? We've earned our
0: right to be in the championship again so looking forward to it. Obviously then second half um small obviously Captain the side for the first time in about 10-12 weeks. He um, got subbed off for of Slater and it was a great bit of play involving Slater that set up the um, third goal. Um, for once a um, short corner paid off for us between Elder and Honeyman which is a rarity considering our um, fortune from short corners in the recent past but it's a lovely ball in from Slater, great awareness from Wilkes and I initially thought that when I saw that McGinnis had scored, I thought it would be a powerful header across the other side of the goal. It's just a neat bit of play to just glance it across the keeper. keeper has got no chance and he's now got 18 goals for the season, making it um 50 goals for the for KLP, Malik Wilks and Josh McGinnis between them. I think that's yeah. the first time our um, front three have had such a prolific season since 1970, 71, I yeah. think it was.
1: Houghton Hawton, white stuff and chill. Chil- yeah. yeah, but that was a prolific sort of front line back then, and we're certainly in sort of a period where we're seeing prof- prolific fr- front line, fr- front line now, and whether that continues in the championship is yet to be seen. But I do think we do need more firepower going into next season. Anyway, we've spoken about the games. We move on to the sort of celebrations at full time, and was, you know, the sort of
0: first first title in fifty-five years, and obviously celebrations with the players at full time. You can see what it meant, especially again with the Hull lads in particular, Jacob Greaveskin. That was part similar scenes to last week, but it was just brilliant to cap off our season at the KC, securing the title. Obviously, due to that bizarre game at Peterborough, obviously full credit to Peterborough as well for joining us in the championship next season. Yeah, well, but I think on the basis <laughs> of on the basis of you know how
1: the the consistency they've shown throughout the season, I think they are worthy of that second spot. And mm. given how the performed, you know, do do deserve it. But in terms of the you know full time reaction to uh, you know. Title winners whose quality I came to the KCOM, obviously we arrived there, and uh, there was loads of fans bunched up and was all chanting and was waiting for the players to come out. It was all bunched up against the fence and it was just great, you know, it was smoke, it was flares, and it was just the real party atmosphere there. I think and everyone was pulling in the right direction. There was the odd few that I was disagreeing with in terms of it was chanting, on them out. I think there's a time and a place, and, and don't want to talk, dwell on that too much because. You know, overall it's been a positive experience but um you know I think there's a time and a place for negative chance and when you've just been crowned title winners for the first time it's in that, it's like six you don't want to wear like negative but well, it was a you know it was a great night. Um and yeah. for the players to come out and greet us and stuff and uh, celebrate with us on... it was quality. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah I do wish I was there but obviously you could see the scenes on social media, what it meant to the players. Obviously they're sort of clued up in the history about what it meant to win the league title for the first time in 55 years I think obviously that's something McCann had made them aware of obviously you could see the scenes obviously a lot of the players families were I think were there as well For players like Louis Coyle Jacob Greaves what have you as a whole born player to write yourself in the history books for your hometown club it can't imagine there would be many prouder people in Hull at the minute than those than players like that? It's important we use this sort of
1: positive energy, you now going on to the Championship. It's so important that we start next season. And I think if we can, you know, attract more fans back to the K-Com and continue this sort of, you know, this sort of positive attitude and, you know, adorning, these players are adorning the hometown uh, colours. And it's, you know, we're proud to watch City and they're obviously proud to play for our club. And that, that's all you can ask for, for a player, and um, play for your football club to be proud and to put in 100% every week. And I think we've, on well, many occasions this season, we put in 100%. And obviously, luckily, we've had the quality to add to it. But like, heading to next season, I think we're in such a good stead.
0: Yeah, it was great uh, It was great to see players like Greg Doherty as well. Obviously, City have been posting, it, posting a lot of pictures, and there was the one where it was captioned, like, raw emotion. You could just see what it meant to people like Greg Doherty and all the other ones that have signed this season do are outsiders in a sense. But obviously now, you, I heard Grant McCann's in interview saying that he's got a bunch of players that would um, die for this football club. And as a as a fan, you you, you can't um, be pleased more than when your manager says that about the players that you've got.
1: Yeah, this this sort of core to a squad is something that we've missed for such a long time, and it's a sort of attitude and sort of ethos that. Was running through the, the promotion side of two thousand
0: seven
1: to eight, in terms of how much to love the football club.
0: There's not there's not any there's not any egos either as well. They're all fighting, they're all fighting for each other. They're all on the same mm. they're all on the same page.
1: I think even Malik Wilkes and you question, you could question his ego at points this season, but I think even he's sort of maturing now into this footballer that realizes that it's more of a team game than just individual. And I think when he joined the club. I think I don't think he'd even disagree with this that it, I think he, he saw himself as more of an individual coming from Barnsley where he's had a time there and he wanted to mm-hmm. prove a point himself. But now you can see him in his performances, how he's developing much more. He's bringing more of his teammates into it. And you see his connection with sort of Keelan's Potter. They've got like a bromance going on there and he like you even see like um some players put on Twitter about how Malik Wilkes think want, you know, wants to be a whole lad, you know, boys <laughs> and stuff like that. And I think it's great to see. And what I want to say is that I think the whole city admin after today. is gonna to be knackered after all the content that's gone out.
0: <laughs> Some brilliant content. Obviously, we had more and um, more singing this week from um, Josh, Josh McGuinness' sister. Thinking he's I mean John Lennon, but he's brilliant. You could see the scenes. I think
1: that made me that made my day. That that video you know, put a smile on my face. That you know that's what you want.
0: Should should me. do should do a, a um, section for player of the season. Just do it. Singer of the season. Really.
1: Uh, we've got a few decent candidates there one thing we want to, to discuss on Twitter is um, uh, the Hull FC debacle that's been going on and what, what do
0: you think of it then? I think it's a bit um, petty from both from obviously from both sides I think it's it'd be nice to see um, the, the, um, all the clubs in Hull sort of winning each other on when they do win a, a trophy obviously you're not going to see that as much with the um, FC and the Rovers fans, obviously, because of the rivalry, that's that's natural. But when you've got a club that has the tagline, Hull and Proud on it, and regardless of all the all the internal issues with the SMC, the Alums, and Adam Pearce and what have you, I do think it's a bit petty, obviously, from both sides. I know there's been history with the um, City fans and the FC fans going back for about 30, 40 years now. As a fan of both clubs from both sides of the fence, more of a city one. I've been going to City more than I have FC, but I have just never really got it and I think it's a bit of a shame really that it's come to this point where there's and there's fans that support whole F C that okay, you can support clubs like Leeds, Liverpool, whatever you we don't agree with that, but that's their decision. But the fact that there's still have a bit of a weird agenda against a club that is bringing success, credibility, and recognition to the place that they live, and yet the the more interesting saying that our whole whole city you never won anything; it's only the third tier. it's a bit, it's a bit ridiculous, really, but it is what it is.
1: Well, considering there's been a social media blackout, you won't begrudge them in policy FC for not congratulating you know City from uh, you know being champions of the League One, but. Um, I think it's more disheartening when you see that Hull FC last year was congratulating Liverpool on winning the Premier League title. That, that's
0: that's what's fueled this. That's what's fuelled this fire even more. Really,
1: yeah. You don't see the correlation there. Whether that's just the driven, it's sort of like a, an agenda-driven sort of post from the admin of Hull FC because he supports Liverpool, but or was it to do with the sky full of stars that the Hull FC played that song at Wembley? And Liverpool, I think, played that song as well. But I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with that. But again, it's it's obviously quite disheartening to see, the you know, obviously even Hulky R, they came, you know, fair place and they came out and the congratulations, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a lot, of, a lot of local businesses did. It's not really about that, to be fair. It's just more about how, honestly, congratulated Liverpool and didn't congratulate us, and we'll move on from that. It's not it's not a big issue, but obviously on social media, it's made out to be a massive issue, and some obviously some fans have had the same, including myself, but. You know, that's obviously no, a little just... sort of portion about um, that would take the gloss off anything. So, but, you know, what. We'll... <laughs> Moving on to final game of the season. We've got Charlton, you know, Nigel Atkins, Andrew Zeman, our former manager. So, what do you think of the prospects of that game, Ben?
0: I think it's nice to be able to go into the final day of the season. Just, um, obviously, our fate's already been sealed. Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday night. I'm not sure how Charlton are currently getting on against Lincoln. I know that if they won their game, they'd be um, one point outside the playoffs and they'd still be relying on Portsmouth. And I think it's Oxford to lose to, to um, get above them. Obviously, they might have... Charlton winning 3-0 against Lincoln. Is thats is that 3-0 to Charlton? So, obviously, as it stands, they're going to be one point off the playoffs. They need the result more than we do. But um, I think if City win, they've broke um, broke another record for the highest points total in the season, which betters the 90 points they got in 1983. So, I think, obviously, McCann's sort of been a believer in breaking these records. Obviously, there's the ones with the front three and the clean sheets. So, I don't think it's a game that even though we've got our Fate sealed, I don't think he's gonna take it lightly whatsoever. Yeah, I think you've
1: seen in recent weeks of the professional performances regardless of what we've got to play for, you know, we could've against Wigan we could have just sort of sat there and you know sort of um strolled for the game but such as the uh, hunger of these players and wanting to break records we you know went for it and we obviously won our first titles in nineteen sixty six and obviously McCann's got the got the squad on side. And he's able to sort of motivate this squad. And I think that'll be no different going to the final game. He'll want to break more records. He'll want to do as good as he can, considering what happened last season. And I think he's sort of put a marker down for expectation. Um, and obviously it'll be interesting to all, considering charlton got something to play for. I think I booked bu- bu- this week off work um, think a few weeks ago, thinking the it might go down to the final game of the season. Um, I want... I Was quite confident that we would get top two, but I thought you know, it's typical city, we'll leave it to the last game. But you know, it's it's uh, unlike city to um not give us any final day in to be honest. But, <laughs> um, the game against Charlton, breath of fresh air to be fair, just be good to go into the game with nothing to play for. And yeah,
0: you think obviously they're the team that have got pressure on them, obviously, Charlton. Similar to City, they're one of the biggest clubs in the league. Their fans will be expecting a performance to try and at least, um, depending on other results, see them into the top six. But obviously, the pressure, the, all the pressure's on them. The pressure can do strange things to their players, and we could potentially make a final day result and spoil their um prom- promotion dreams.
1: I do think, considering the scenes of the last few weeks, I think I do think the are going McCann might mix it up a bit and. We might utilize some of the youth, um, and I think Joshua might see Josh Manuel come back in. Maybe George Long.
0: Maybe I do, I do think I, do. I still I still think that um, players, if we did rotate, they'd still have the same same hunger and determination. Because I think I read somewhere saying that I think it was George Twentyman saying that every player that um from that has come up from the youth team, even for a training session with the first team, they've applied themselves in the same fashion. They've got the hunger. They've got the the grit and the t- determination to put in the performance that is expected of them, of, of the standards that we've set over the last, what is it now, 14 games unbeaten, is it?
1: Yeah. I think one, one thing I want to say is, I, I've mentioned it to Benedict before, and I said about how we could do a section on sort of looking at the youth and maybe picking out a star a week from the under-23s and under-18s. And if it was to do that, I'd start off today and say that um, I think Will Jarvis, he's someone that's impressed Recently, he's, I've heard a lot of, you know, bright reviews from him and he's obviously scored two goals against Ipswich at the weekend. And we've, we've spoken about that sort of lack of um, sort of competition for Kingman's Potter, but given the sort of play Will Jarvis is, he gets, he's got pace, he gets him behind. I think um, his performances in the under-23s, under-18s could warrant breaking through into the first team in the, in the future. It's definitely, obviously, maybe not now, but, um, yeah, but, like, you know we've seen how many players have come through with the youth, and uh, it's just a credit to sort of you know the people behind the scenes and people working with the youth to sort of improve it. And um, yeah, you know, like Jarvis, Jarvis will be coming through. You know, Callum Jones has come through this season. Obviously, he's, he's suffered an injury, but um, yeah, so I think it's just really positive times. And you know, I think that's what City's sort of ethos is going to be. And I don't think we're going to be spending a huge amount of money. Heading into the championship I think we'll be shrewd about signings we'll make the mm. right signings and I think we'll have you know part of faith in the youth as well
0: I, I do think a lot of next season is going to echo what happened in 2005-2006 really where you've got to be more sensible with your signings more than how much you um how much you're willing to pay for these players I think it's more the um, actual player that you're recruiting more than the finances that are going to be the key point next season. That's a topic for another podcast again. One yeah, thing it's... is that um, Josh McGinnis is obviously going back to his old club um, this weekend. He's two goals away from 20 goals. I think I saw I heard him after the Sunderland game saying that he'd reached um, 16 goals by that game and he wants to try and get to 20 goals. He's only... Two goals away from doing that, It'd be fitting for him if he was to do it against one of his former teams as well. It's, it's
1: also quite astonishing that Wilkes, uh, considering I think he went majority of the season, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe like the first thirty games without chalking him an assist, and then in the you know past couple of months he's he's short what nine assists mm. in all competitions, and he's one away from double figures, and I think that's quite a, um, I think I've, we saw people you know slating him. Early one in the year for his lack of um, sort of
0: his decision making. Is, yeah, decision
1: yeah. making the final fed That's why he was let down. I was trying to think of the word. Sorry, but um, you know we'd rather shoot instead of playing the ball. But now he's sort of he's maturing, like I mentioned, and he's picking up the right pass. And he's obviously got his rewards from it with nine assists, and that goes nicely with his how many goals? Twenty? Uh, no,
0: nineteen. 19, 19 yeah. in the league, and he's got yeah. two in the cup and one in the EFL thing. Exactly. So, I
1: think that's a credit to Malik Wilkes, and he's clearly it's clearly an area of his game that's improved on. And um, going into the last game, he'll be hungry to sort of, you know,
0: score as many as he can or assist. So. Yeah, I do think it's going to be an interesting prospect whether. Um we get a potential guard of honour from Charlton. I'm not sure whether we will, but obviously the trophy presentation is going to be after the game, so it'll be interesting to see whether we do get a guard of honour. Hoping that we do, because um, Charlton's manager is um, Grant McCann's um, predecessor, Nigel Adkins. Yeah. Obviously, his time at City was very um, interesting, to say the least. To Share your memories of Nigel Adkins' time at City.
1: I think one one picture that sort of summed up Nigel Akin's time at City was that um, picture of Brentford away, not Brentford, a away, when he mm. where he stood there behind the barrier and all the fans are just there and it looks like he's holding a hostage. I'm not saying that describes him, but he was just there smiling, <laughs> just stood there and you know the fans and he always had time for the supporters, Nigel, and he was a he was a great manager for our club. And um, obviously he had a tough start and in the championship, people questioned his, you know, he was over positive and. People questioned I think I think ball, what we'll the one
0: the, the one thing that didn't get in, the fans on side was obviously passed with um Scunthorpe. I don't think that particularly endeared himself to the supporters. But beyond that, I think as few fans were also excited at the prospect that in the recent years before he did come to see done quite well. And obviously there was the thing at Southampton where um the replacement with Pochettino and everyone thought it was the wrong decision. I Look how that turned is. out.
1: City saw it as a sort of risk appointment. I think his club before was Reading. Sheffield United. Sheffield United, United, but it was Reading before that, I think. Yeah, yeah. And then it was Southampton and um, Southampton, he was obviously known as a hero, their legend, back-to-back promotions and then I think the two clubs after that was very underwhelming and that's where City fans were sort of judging him from. But then he came in and he sort of imprinted this positive ethos around the place and Got Jarrobo Bowen firing certainly more more often, um, and certainly got the best out of Grisicki as well. I felt I think Grisicki's best season was under Nigel Atkins in terms of how he was performing. Second season, yeah, yeah. 18 he's, 18 he's, 19, yeah. He's,
0: he's going to say his first few months were um, a bit questionable. There was obviously the infamous um, video post match post match reaction at Sunderland where he questioned the. Um, how we lost the game because we had a good warm up. That was something that didn't endear himself to the city fans. I think he struggled when he first came in. I think we only won like one of his first seven or eight games. I think it was so,
1: ten actually one well, nine because I think it, it was it
0: was, some, it was something close. And we we're obviously getting closer to the bottom three. But one thing he mm-hmm. did, uh, one thing he didn't do was bring in Harry Wilson. And since then, Harry Wilson's never looked back either. Really.
1: Yeah, and I think it the learn signings and the January transfer window was sort of the spark to kick on in the second half of the season. And in the end was um I think we we did it was one point where it was about three or four points behind the playoffs, I think. But quite close and then we sort of tailed off a bit, but not tailed off, we finished what twelve I think.
0: That was when, in the his second season we finished thirteenth.
1: Yeah, yeah thirteenth, yeah, twelve or thirteen. Mid table, so there was there yeah, was obviously
0: yeah. that um seven was a seven game winning run and didn't lose in 10 games between the november and january of that season which is quite remarkable really because i remember I we started um, we started that run we're in the um, we're in the bottom three i think we just lost to nottingham forest and by the time we come out of it when we lost 3-0 to blackburn i think we're only what three or four points behind the playoffs at that moment in time and obviously don't if
1: i'm wrong but um, I think from November 2018 to the start of the 2019-20 season, I think we were unbeaten at home.
0: I think I think we lost one. I think we lost one game. And it was the Sheffield United three 0
1: Yeah, that was it. I think yeah, one lost one one game. Yeah, but between November and April, um, well, yeah, I think lost, yeah, we, did, we lost one
0: game. We did, we did play some really attractive football under Atkins, which I think was quite um. Remarkable, really, considering a lot of fans from his previous clubs were like weren't really a fan of his his playing style. like Reading and Sheffield United, you know, he sort of developed it at City as time went on. Obviously, the uh, the start of the second season, we're also in danger of getting relegated. But then he somehow, obviously, with his positivity, managed to rub off onto the players. Obviously, we looked like we could have got in the playoffs at one point, just unfortunately missed out. I think a lot of city fans were. I was. I was definitely one that was sad to see him leave. Really,
1: yeah. I think the thing is with Nigel he gets, he gets the best out of every inch of his squad, and one player that certainly did sort of shine in that squad, I think, was Marcus Hemmingson. Took on the captain's mm. role well, and he was obviously one of our key players. And then, um, what happened after that was unfortunate, but that was more, I think, more Hemmingson, you know, wanting to leave rather than um the situation became. But yeah, that was very sad when. Adkins left. It felt like um you know after this seasons after we got relegated from the Premier League felt it was going on down with Sparrow and then Nigel Atkins came in. The first part when he came in was a bit patchy and even the start of the next season was, you know, questionable, but then he sort of lifted lifted the spirits around the place and it felt like was we sort of building towards you know, challenging for the playoffs again. And then we sort of had that sucker punch with Adkins leaving and it sort of made you question the Alams again, you know, lack of giving them lack of funds to and you know, sort of push on towards promotion, and in the end, it perhaps it was a, the wrong decision for Atkins leaving. And uh, for how long it took him to get a job, but now he's obviously got a chance at Charlton. Yeah, he's, 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 he's doing work, quite,
0: but... he's doing quite well at Charlton. Obviously, I don't think they've lost many matches since he's he's gone in there. I think
1: lost two, I think, or something like that. But
0: obviously, yeah. there's one of the best moments. Well, two. Ridiculous moments in his tenure at City with a five nil win at Burton, and not long after that, the um, highest got highest scoring draw in our history, the five five at um, Bristol City, which they were just remarkable.
1: Yeah, there were some very exciting games. I can remember the Norwich game as always, three one down oh, at half time. This was the, the first time ever it was two two goals down at half time where I thought we we're actually going to win this game. I had a real weird feeling how well we played in that first half, and I felt obviously James. I think was it James, Madison's James Madison. James Madison. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously, Abel, was it Abel and anders goal? Hattrick for us. He yeah, he yeah, yeah, got he
0: got yeah, he got yeah. he got two penalties. I think two it was ja- yeah. Jackson Irvine and Harry
1: Harry, Harry Wilson, Wilson. Yeah, scored the winner. That Macy run and then brilliant finish into the bottom left. But that was that game was so weird for me because at halftime I remember vividly thinking we're going to win this game. I just had a really positive feeling, and we came back in the second half, all guns blazing, the winner of the game. But obviously, there was very some remarkable games under Adkins and exciting football and he's always welcome back at City for me and um, I think he's um, he's what you know um, Adkins always sort of um, positive about his praise towards City and Grant McCann being you know a former player under him
0: With, with a score prediction what you what you're expecting on, on Sunday then?
1: I don't want to be the bearer of bad news
0: but I think we're going to lose 2-1 Fair enough I'd, I'd probably if if um. We got promoted in a different with a different bit of mentality. I reckon I'd have said something similar, but I think the worst I can expect at the minute, the way we're going is a is a draw really. So I'm at, at worst I'd say maybe two two, but I reckon we've just got enough in us to um to beat this Charlton side. I reckon optimistically I'll say three two to city, but obviously we know what to expect with Adkins um... fast flowing football. And I think we've got Sort of similar characteristics to the Charlton side, so I reckon it'd be a very open game. Now we can touch on the players that are um players that are out of contract at the end of the season. What um, we think should happen with with those players? So
1: I'll go for the one first that I think is the most likely to sort of leave, whether that's on loan, um, or. Well, whether he's given a new contract or he's made to leave, and that's Max Sheaf. Obviously, he's had an indifferent time out of learn at Torquay. I don't think he's really stamps his sort of authority on the side. And in this article, it says about, um, well, but ba- uh, Bas Cooper says about how he you know, potential to give him a new contract. But twenty one years old, um, I don't. If he's not cutting it in National League, then how he's not going to cut it in the Championship. But I think it's time for to let Max Sheaf go. He's not someone that's, you know, coming to the first team and really showing what he's capable of. I think. It, what do you think? Do you think
0: he's? I, I do think. To, with, 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 with players like that, it's a bit of a difficult one because I think last season at Cheltenham, the the fans seemed to um, think he was a half decent player. So maybe it's the um, the talkie style of play could be a bit different to Cheltenham. We don't know that, but obviously, I think when you get you get to a stage and if he's not producing consistently in the National League. You do feel, what what's the benefit in giving him a new contract? So, all you're going to do is probably loan him out consist, um, on a consistent basis again. So, I think the best thing probably is to um, probably release him. Obviously, we wish him the best in the future. And I do think with a player like that, you just really have got to release them. It's unfortunate because they've worked hard to get to a point where... Doing with a chance of playing the first team. I think he got one sub sub appearance under Nigel no, like, Atkins against Bristol City. But yeah, like, what I
1: will say is um, is that obviously you don't want to stagnate a player's development. And I think McCann's got to look at it on the point of view where like do you see him sort of having a regular sort of appearance in this you know, in around the first team I and mean, you do And I don't I don't think anyone does.
0: I think him. I think it's telling that we're still getting um players like Callum Jones ahead of Sheaf in the pecking order. Obviously, we didn't send Jones out on loan. So, I think that maybe does signal that his, time, his, his days at City may be limited.
1: Right. So, the next one that has sort of question marks above his name regarding his future is George Long. Obviously, he was a mainstay in the team um, in the Championship. And given the fact that he got relegated, you know, England got a chance. He played eight games this season, kept four clean
0: sheets, to be fair to I him. Up. I don't think he's really I got the wrong. So torn, I think I'd be happy to I'd be happy to keep to be, I think it's an I'm, option I'm torn on this because obviously a lot of clubs you, you obviously a lot of clubs are renowned for having three goalkeepers at the minute in the first team we've only got two but I think maybe as a third choice you can't really get anyone worse I do think we potentially need another goalkeeper in, in just in case any circumstances or if both of them were out of form. I think it is willing, it is needed that we get a third keeper, whether that's at the expense of George Long leaving or staying as, a, as another backup. But I'm torn on this one really, because obviously he had a torrid time in the second half of last season. But when he's been called upon this season, he hasn't done an awful lot wrong. It's sort of similar to Ingram last season, where he didn't we didn't really get that many opportunities, but he he wasn't at fault for anything major.
1: I think he has been—he's been linked to uh, Charlton
0: to go there, but
1: uh, that, that's that, not that... really surprising to me because no. I think it, he was—I didn't imagine like him bring him to Sheffield United.
0: Yeah, he brought so, him to Sheffield think, United, and to City.
1: I think. What I will say is, I think I—I di- I disagree. With you saying that we need three keepers. I think you, have, you usually have two main ones and then one coming through the youth. But um, obviously, right, that—that depends on whether George Long is leaving. I think we should—we should keep him. And mm. um, I think, the, you know, I. Think, I don't think he should um, even take Ingemar's team either. He's got no. a good understanding with our centre backs. I think he yeah. the shot of the championship. So I'd be yeah, to i do, I do think them. it is
0: well. I do think we should keep them both potentially, but remains to be seen. It's just I think a lot of it depends on whether George Long wants to um, stay as a backup or whether he does feel like he needs to go somewhere else and play week in week out. But we'll see.
1: Right. So I'll move on to three players. Um that I think is a resounding yes in terms of giving them a new deal, whether that's a short-term or a long-term one. That's Alfie Jones. Yes. Josh McGuinness, Yes. And Rhys Beck.
0: You, mm, nah, yes. I can't,
1: nah, you can't question that, man. You can't question that it's been class this season. But, yeah,
0: to be fair. Yeah,
1: resounding three yeses, especially Alfie Jones. Um, he's just, what can you say, just Rolls-Royce of a player, I think. To fill in I do. Feel, I, do uh, I do think sensible. it is.
0: Par- I think it's paramount that we keep to those two. Maybe then add a um, experienced centre back just as a backup. Obviously, we've been linked with Curtis Davis since the article came out last week, and yeah. I do think potentially someone like Curtis Davis will be will be a good signing. He obviously won't play every. Every game of the championship. Now he's 36, but just the, third, just, just just the experience and the um, know how he's got the league, and obviously everyone knows his personality from his previous time at City. Obviously, he loves the club as well. So I think if we're looking, at,
1: as well. yeah, trying. if we're
0: looking, so I think you've got to keep Reece Birkin, Alfie Jones. Obviously, Alfie yeah. Jones can Alfie Jones can also play as a centre as sort of a holding midfielder. So you can't go wrong.
1: I think McGuinness in terms of all-round play, deserves a new contract. And
0: he sort I think of I think, you, I think season. I think you do have to also give McGuinness the um, starting shirt for the first game of next season. Obviously, he's earned it with with just with his numbers this season. He's is um his all-round game. He's, he's than sort than of,
1: that, I think it's just understandable. Well, we yeah. 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 You, you can bring another striker. I think you, a lot. Of I, do, I
0: do, we, we do need another striker. Whether that's obviously, I think, more of a backup really, because. And that's regardless of whether we um, keep Tom Eves or not. Cause I do, I'd, I'd struggle to see now that even Tommy's would fit in any League One team that wasn't in the in the bottom half at this point. And I feel a bit um sorry to say that because I've been one that sort of defended Tommy's criticism at times when some people just stupidly made comment. But apart from if he hasn't really pulled up any trees that often, so I think. Regardless of whether he does go or not, we do de- we do need another striker definitely.
1: I do think he'll he'll be kept. Uh, I think it is Is the thing is right? There's a different mentality to the squad this time. I'm not saying Eves in the championship would score goals. But I think it's good to have that option on the bench with yes. another forward option. He, he brings something different in terms of his aerial ability, and I think later on in games, you you see you know Tommy's in terms of how he can win headers in the box, and you don't as a defender you don't want to get someone like that later on in the game, and obviously, it's different in championship, more technical, so it depends how we want to move forward. But um, obviously, the big comes in, I think. Now, uh, Grant McCam would have to, you know, have a good think over whether to take it. But you know, I definitely do need another striker to add some more competition. Mm. But yeah, I, I agree that sort of I think Tommy does, I, I think he does like a lot of these players, they deserve another shot of the championship. And I know he won't play regularly, but in terms of keeping around the squad and you know, his sort of um, attitude and, you know, because be, he could have just laid down the season and been like, oh, I'm not playing, but he came back from injury, to be fair to him, and he's come off the bench and he's put in some decent performances. And uh, I do feel that Tommy's Eves thrives more in a team where he's, he's seen as sort of the main man, and obviously City is not, but that, that could be well where his future lies, perhaps in League One, with, with a team that's sort of lower down in the table, but that remains that remains to be seen, um, so we'll move on to the loan players. That, um sort of so we'll talk about each one. Um, so
0: we've got Fair, we've got Regan Slater. I think Regan Slater is a definite keep if we can, but yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether um, obviously Sheffield United you know, will be looking to utilise him in their first team next season. But if we had the option to keep him and whether uh, whether he wants to stay, presumably. He- does wants want to stay cause he looks happy at I think City? United
1: have um, activated a one year extension on his
0: contract. Uh, so, so, I doubt, that, that, so I doubt that's, that's, that's a bit unfortunate, there. but um, I think he's sort of, regardless of whether it's with City or not, he does uh, deserve a chance at the Championship. He's proved it with his recent performances. Obviously, obviously, the fact it's a uh, Sheffield United, he's going back there, it's a bit of a shame. But um, yeah. Given there's not it's much it's we can do either, about him.
1: Think... Yeah, given it's his last year, I think um, you know, you could probably get him on a cut price. Like Sheffield United mm. might be willing to let yeah, go true. Get their options, but I'm I'm not I'm
0: yeah, not. Be to see him back. I think a lot of it depends on who Sheffield United will keep in their midfield, like like Susander Berger, Burger, John Fleck, Norwood. I doubt, oh, I, got...
1: I, I doubt they're going to keep a lot of their players like Norwich did, but um, so we'll that's see. why Slater could be a part of their setup next season, but. Mm. I'd happily have him back, like you say. Yeah, so definitely, how he's performed. But his next one's Gavin White. Um, what
0: I want to say I'm about t- Gavin White? I'm, is... I'm torn. On, I'm torn on Gavin White, really, because when he's played, he's actually done quite well. And I, I read earlier saying that has said that he's been a real breath of fresh air to the squad and obviously added to the composition. But but um, I still don't think he'd get that much game time, obviously, with the the form that Malik Wilkes is in. So I'm I'm kind of torn, but I do think that we potentially have something in the deal that means that we have. I I was listening to something, and I think I I was right. I'm right in saying that we have the first choice on it because of our situation. I'm not sure whether that's true, but I'm it's fifty-fifty with white for me, really.
1: Given well, given the market we're shopping in. I think there's not many better players that we could go for, given our budget going into the championship for one, and given sort of signing a player that sort of knows that would sort of, you know, fit in straight away. And at the end of the day, you want to look for players that are going to hit the ground running. The fact that White's been here for half the season now and he's fitted in quite well to the squad and give us an option off the bench, I think it would be sort of naive of us to not sort of look to pursue this deal. Um, mm because I think he does add something different to what our other ringers do. He's more direct, you can get in behind, and he has a good connection, obviously, with our forwards. And he's, he's, perhaps he's not chipped in with the goals and assists that he would have dreamed of when he came here, or when he come here. But um, I think it's worth pursuing that deal if we can get the opportunity. I think he yeah. has a different option to our wingers. Whether he gets the goals and assists that we need um, remain, remains to be seen, but I think it's worth... You know, pursuing, given mm. you know he's he's entering sort of the peak years of his career as well. So you could see the best to come from him, which is what which is what is you'd hope to see.
0: Uh, the next one's Dan Crowley. No. I yeah. yeah. I just oh, I, 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 I don't think he fits into our. Um, he's a he's a very good player. We've seen glimpses of it, but I just just the way that we play football. I don't think he'd fit in. he's going to fit into our system. We've seen it. He sort of slows. He's more of a player that likes to sit in deep, really, in comparison to players like Doherty and Honeyman. So I think, although he's a good player, he's not really one that would benefit the system in going forward. So that's why it's a no for me.
1: I think he's a percentage player. What I mean by that mm. is that he tries to pull off passes that very no, but few no, yeah, and it's not yeah, like I in terms of Trying tries to be too technical with it, and I think it sort of
0: it's sort of got echoes of um, John Terrell really. Yeah,
1: but... it slows down. It slows down the play. I think the counter. We like to play on the counter attack, go forward, spring forward quickly. With, you know, through the central areas with Doherty, mm. Honeyman, and then get it out wide to Wilkes Potter, and we like to play quick. You know, ultimately, Crowley's a more laboured player and he's more technical and. I think you've seen it with I know I shouldn't draw this comparison but you've seen it with Liverpool when Santiago he doesn't it's exactly fit into their <laughs> midfield system do you know what I mean mm. he, he yeah. slows it down and similar with Crowley he slows our midfield down as well I think and I, I don't think that's a deal we could pursue but given his pedigree prior to joining Birmingham I think I'm sure there's many potential suitors out there that would give him a chance Do you want to go on to the questions? We've obviously... This is a segment on the
0: podcast. We'll go into the... um...
1: Questions from Pete. There's a few questions that um, some fans have asked on Twitter.
0: Yeah, we'll go into these um, questions now with the final segment. Uh, The first question being from HCFC Nick. What is the best and the worst game that you've watched this season for City? First one,
1: the worst game was Fleetwood away. I think it was, was it 4-1 or
0: 4-0? 4-1. 4-1, yeah. That was the worst game. And you have the best game. You go We all's worst as well. Uh, I think, although it wasn't the worst scoreline, I think the worst game for me was probably the um, Portsmouth defeat where we had the um, two home goals. It just felt like... Uh, I think that was at the point where we we um, lost three in a row for the only time this season it was... A point when, obviously, people sort of doubting McCann at that point, and just the performance—it was a grim, grim conditions that that game, which didn't help. Uh, Portsmouth, what I think went above us through winning that game, we just lacked any ideas, and obviously, the two own goals. You just—I remember thinking, where on earth does does this club go from here? It felt at that point we continue. We we were going to start on a bit of a slump, so I'd go with that one.
1: Um, I think the best game for me, ah, oh, it's it's quite hard. There's been obviously a lot of good games this season. Um, but I think the turning point for me, in terms of performances, um, was the, I think it was the Wimbledon Wimbledon game. I think. Yeah. That was a terrific performance away from her. Um, I think that was the, the the first game we won on our were to sort of becoming champions where you felt, you know, you know, we've recovered from recent defeats. And obviously, I was going to say about the Portsmouth game, how we pushed on from there, but literally after that, the 4-0 win over Portsmouth. Mm. And we, we struggled, I think. We went through like a rough patch again. Um, but one, obviously the Portsmouth game was a brilliant performance, 4-0. And one, Recollection from that was how Josh McGinnis performed. He came off the bench, scored that brilliant goal. I think that was the turning point for him this season. I think before that he questioned his sort of ability and he questioned his performances. He was sort of second, playing second fiddle to Tommy's at that point. I think at he that, that point though words. was
0: when he. I think at that point was when he obviously had the. Um, he was sidelined with um COVID, so I think that's another part of his game this season that you got to give him credit for the way he's been able to sort of recover from. Having a, a lengthy spell out with the the virus, obviously, I think he had it worse than most players. You, I think he's got asthma anyway, Josh McGuinness.
1: I'm going to change my decision. Think game of right. season, the best game of the season has been the Lincoln away game. <laughs> I think that's been the best game. I think yeah. in terms of the scenes afterwards, not even necessarily the football on the pitch, but just the...
0: Um, I, think, I think a lot of this one just a lot of this one, it comes down to what you define best as. So whether that's like the best performance or like what gave you the best memory. Yeah. So we... from, so yeah. I think for for me, in terms of best performance, I think it was Plymouth away. We just felt like we was on top of them for 90, 90 minutes really. For, yeah, think, well, majority yeah, of the game, and obviously I think at that, that, I think that's still the um, second best home form in the league apart from the top two, and to. Go there and dominate the way that we did. We never really gave them that many chances. I'm saying f- that was our uh, best performance in the first half. I think our mm. best half of football in the season. The, the next question comes from wacker 80 Lee Walker. Your pla- Lee Walker. Your, um player of the season. I think we've I'm, already touched on it. Really. No, nah, you go with yours. And I think I'm just going to have to go with um George Honeyman, obviously. In fact, he's been nominated as one of the three best players in the league. If he doesn't win the player of the season, regardless of what the um, front three have done this season, I'll be astonished. Obviously, the leadership qualities that he's shown, the creativity, he's shown the amount of contributions and just the way he conducts himself with the supporters. Obviously, I, I just obviously, It's all the obvious reasons there for me why it's got to be George Huddyman. I think um there's a real void obviously when he's missing out of the 11.
1: Yeah, you you, you could see
0: th- you could see that when I think it was the, I think it was the um was it the Fleetwood game he missed?
1: The Fleetwood game yeah. In the first half like, you, you could see you could see. Yeah. Um I want to shout out Greg Doherty this season. Oh, he's been immense. He's been my favorite player, but I think in okay. terms of an all-round perform- you know, all-round season contributions, you know, leaving behind this legacy in this division for being how well he's done and you know leadership quality you know George Honeyman I have to say he's been our player of the season I'd love to say Docherty but I think given our Honeyman's performance season and he's put himself in sort of cult hero status in this division for us but Mm. that's
0: just yeah George Honeyman and the last question comes from Nathaniel Witto. he's got two questions signing for the season is the first one so go over that one first you go first this time
1: yeah I, I just mentioned in there Greg Dockett he's signing the season for me for I think more given how last season I think midfield was a real issue for us I know we had Honeyman but it, sort of a stable midfield was a real issue and this season we've really seen it even obviously we're all centre-back pairing as well but um, Greg Dockett's coming there he's, he's an engine drives from midfield gets in the box and He's even got the finishing ability. Later on in games, is the engine. He carries on going and um, capable of going on mazy runs and can drive you forward. And he's certainly someone that I think will adapt to the championship very well. And he's one of quite a few players that I think would will do well in the championship. So for me, Greg Doherty, four hundred thousand from Rangers, absolute steal.
0: Yeah, I think just for the purpose of you saying Greg Doherty, I I, w- I would agree. But obviously, I do love Greg Doherty, but I I do love Louis Coyle just ever so slightly more than Greg Doherty, so I'm going to go with Louis Coyle. Obviously, just everyone knows it's his hometown club, supports City. The um, performances after, obviously, he started the season, I think he was suspended for the first few weeks, and then he got injured against Wimbledon, which sort of put him on the back foot. But then, obviously, even when Emmanuel was playing well, there was not like one bit of like um complacency when um he got back in the side eventually and obviously he's he's worn the armband this season numerous times when smallwood's been injured. He's come up with some great play with Wilkes down the right hand side, got numerous assists. Obviously the the main one being that um brilliant one for the brilliant long diagonal ball for Keane that Potter. I think it was against Oxford. Obviously, all the leadership qualities are there. He knows what it means to play for City, and just the um, minimal amount that we paid for him. Obviously, the connection he's got with the fans as well. Obviously, we know what he did for our mate Owen. So, I think for that, just the way he conducts himself, his performances on the pitch, for me, it's got to be Louis Coyle. Yeah, that
1: is a great, great you know selection. There, I think mean, it's it's a awesome toss-up between them two. I think in terms, yeah, of yeah, the impacts they've had. Um, the, I could have said Louis Cole myself and given how he conducts himself off the field you mentioned though in there what he did for him and he's always willing to speak to supporters and he knows you've mentioned he knows what it feels like to you know, wear the badge you know, we all dream to obviously in some capacity be involved in all City or play for Old City and he, sort of, he goes on the pitch every game and he plays like it's, every game is his first and last do you know what I mean he, mm, he goes on yeah. the pitch and he puts in them, them performances he, he sets by example as well just Does a lot of, of-
0: there's been a lot of um, instances this season where, obviously, like in the past, there's been tackles where you think no one's going in for that, regardless of what, um, what the implicate, what the um, ramifications of that tackle will be. But you've seen on numerous occasions this season he does not care what happens to his body at times. He puts his body, line, he puts his body, his body on the line. line. But yeah. there was, I think, there was one incident against. Can't remember if it was a. I can't remember who it was against, but it was a um, you, you could see he was gonna get injured. He knew he was gonna get a knock. And then he was down on the he was down on the floor for a good five I think it was around five minutes. And then instead of coming off like a lot of players in that situation would have, he just had the determination to carry on for the rest of the game and that just says a lot says what all you need to know, really.
1: it's a wonderful thing, and obviously in the championship it would have been great to have sort of these figures around the club, you know, brought in some great sort of leadership assets this season in terms of Smallwood and Coyle and the, the sort of impacts they've had around the place. We, we said at the start of the season we were crying out for leaders in various forms. And I think in terms of Honeyman who stepped up, Smallwood and Coyle, you've you've got a core there. And even McGinnis that have sort of, you know, um, sort of guided these young lads in our team to success. And, you know, they've been, the, obviously these young lads have not always had the best game this season as in like they've always had, you know Jacob Greaves might have had a poor game but you can just tell that you know instead of berating him and sort of um putting him down for his performance they've put their arm around him and they have um sort of you know made sure it is all right and stuff and you know I think that's the sort of thing you need you need that when you think things out particularly going well you need someone to put you arm around you and I think in terms of McCann he's done that to these players and serves these leaders on the pitch all right. the older, older heads in the squad more experienced and they've uh, been an, obviously a pleasure to watch this season of City in all all forms
0: and the last question from Nathaniel Witto is favourite goal of the season I'll go first this time and I will probably say um, if, we're, if we're going in all competitions I'd say Louis Coyle against Fleetwood Town but if, if we're just going by in the league I'm going to say um, I'm actually going to say the goal on Saturday, George Tunnyman's goal. You're going to go that, yeah? I'm going to go with George Tunnyman's goal on Saturday. Just the um, the, the neat passing movement. It just it just symbol. It was just a symbol of what this squad has been about, especially in the last um, 12, 13 games. It, it just echoed what McCann wanted from his players in on the on the day on Saturday. So I'm going to go with that. It was just a. Lovely awareness from Wilks and just a composed finish from Honeyman. Where perhaps in in the past players would just snap snatched it and it'd have gone gone wide or we would scuffed it, but composed finish, lovely build up. You can't you can't get any better than that, really.
1: I think my selection, you'll see a running theme. I think in uh, my selections, but I think Greg Dockett goal against Oxford away that volley left foot that that,
0: that was very cl- that that was very close for for me. It's, it's definitely a, it's definitely in the see, def, definitely in the top three.
1: It's not often you see a volley score, but score on your weak foot as well it shows the technique of the the kid and um, certainly that's I think that's my favourite goal, the one that stands out a lot as well. Um, obviously, um, we've gone. I think we have chosen them goals in terms of uh, not necessarily the importance, but more the quality of them. Your goal is more of a solo, not solo goal, a team goal. And I think Man's more of a you know, a culture strike and. It comes down to preference at the end of the day, but there's none more important, I think, than the Malik Wolf's penalty last week. Mm. So but in
0: terms of goals, you, you know, we've just got some crackers this season. Right, so I think we're pretty much done with this episode now. Obviously next week we're gonna be back reviewing the um, Charlton game and doing a more in depth review of the season as a whole. Obviously we'd love we'd look to um get a guest on for that episode and hopefully bring out the first quiz segment of the um, of the podcast so hopefully that'll be some good fun next week I think next Look- week
1: we're also going to touch on the uh, we've sort of mentioned it in the podcast in the first I don't know if we will but we're going to touch on sort of a, a review of the season but um, I'm not sure whether we're going to do that now but certainly we are going to touch on the first sort of segment we're bringing into the podcast which is the quiz and like ben, like Ben mentioned we're going to get a guest on so I think that's something to look forward to. Obviously, in the close season over the summer, there's going to be um, a lot of transfer talk. So you'll you can expect this podcast to carry on throughout the summer. We're not we're not just going to stop there. We're going to carry
0: on. Hopefully, um, hopefully, um, look to potentially um, get a, get some ex players on during the summer to keep keep the content in good in good nick. So hopefully, um, we'll be able to provide you with. The odd ex-player now and then, depending on how successful we are with that, will remain to be seen, but hopefully. I'm going to can... try and pull out all the stops to try and play <laughs> one, I think, a few players. Obviously, are... we're also looking for more contributors to the site um, as well and guests to come on the podcast. So any support, obviously, we touched on that earlier on the podcast, getting to 500 views so quick is, is something that we never thought we'd do after, what, two weeks of the site, go- site going live. Obviously, that stands to the support that we've been given. Hopefully, we can get some more contributors to the site to um, improve um, week by week the, the um, style of the content and the um, quality of the content. So, just look out for that in the coming weeks.
1: I do think that this um, episode has been longer than we anticipated, to be fair, but I think it's been enjoyable nevertheless. So, I think I thank everyone for tuning into the podcast and thank everyone for supporting the site so far. Ben's put a lot of work into creating the site, so credit to Ben more so than me because yeah, I've just been more of a guy on the podcast. I give Ben some advice. But um, you know, I think going head into the future, Ben is looking for some uh contributors to the site and I'll look to share out some articles depending on whether I get this job that I've applied for and stuff. So but um yeah, um cheers to everyone who's who supported us, I guess.